Hello and welcome to Produced By. Just quickly before we begin, if you enjoy the show, please consider supporting it by joining our Patreon. You can choose from a list of memberships and will receive some exciting rewards. Thank you and back to the episode. Hello, Mark. Thank you for joining us today and welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. So, Mark, can you please introduce yourself? Yes, of course. Yes, of course. So um, I mark a person. <laughs> um, I do many different things, but um, amongst one of them is um, I'm a creative director. So I do creative direction for various different um, media products. Mm-hmm. Is there something you focus on, um, some specific area? Yes, um, one of my key areas that I focus on is um, really working with my clients, understanding what their needs are and helping them shape that so that the media piece that they end up commissioning uh, mm-hmm. fits all of their targets, their messaging, and it's fit for their audience. Yeah, so are you a fil- freelancer? Uh, I run my own business oh, and okay. uh, often often clients approach me and they go, hey, we have this new product that we're trying to market. What kind of content should we produce? Uh, how do we take this idea and shape it so it actually gets our audiences watching this mm-hmm. piece of content? Because as you're aware, in today's society we've got the attention span is <laughs> being reduced as we speak mm-hmm. and is there a specific type of content or is it like advertisement promotional videos and anything so i've been in the business for about 10 years now and throughout the career that i have i've been very fortunate to have worked on almost every single continent on the planet apart from Antarctica (laughs) and um, I've been working on features, short films, documentaries, music videos, social media pieces, corporate videos. Yeah, everything. Um, Yeah, a very broad range of yeah. And is there one type of media that you enjoy the most? No, I really enjoy uh, my my clients coming up to me and just being completely led by them, whether that's um, whether that's a podcast or that's a video or a, a series of content on TikTok or YouTube. Yeah, I I love all of it. Mm-hmm. And how does that happen? Did you had a chance to? work on all the continents did you get clients just from everywhere do you know people or how come i moved to london when i was 19 and i started studying in middlesex university where i studied ba film after i got my degree i did a year of freelancing and i was trying to land a full-time employment because I thought that would be my security. Mm-hmm. So um, after a year of freelancing, I started working for EY in uh, Canary Wharf, where I started running their green screen studio, working with their marketing teams, advertising teams, and helping them create content. And that was um, my first kind of entrance into the the world of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was uh, I was 22. I did that for two years. Um, two years later, I ended up moving back to Estonia, where I'm from, and I started mm. working in an advertising company that was linked um, with a video production agency. And all of a sudden, I was working with all Estonia's top A-list celebrities, top brands, traveling around the world, visiting different uh, clients. Um, did that for two years. Two years later, I received an invite to go and work in Australia, 
um, working with renewables such as Tesla, Siemens, Aciona, but also the equivalent of uh, Tesco's in South Australia, producing their TV commercials, working with local celebrities. Did that for two years as well and ended up moving back to London where I started um, working for National Grid. National Grid is a company that provides electricity infrastructure for Britain and mm -hmm. America. So I was now in a position where in, instead of producing the work myself, I sat in the client seat in a sense. I started working with video agencies and briefing them in um, getting a bit of sense and understanding of what kind of pricings are in the industry. And after having doing that for two years, I realized, hang on, these budgets are quite a bit different. The salary is quite a bit different. Maybe I should do that myself. So that's when mm. I moved to South America and I set up my own business and I started working with clients all around the world. and. Um, yeah, that was almost three years ago now. Mm -hmm. And um, through uh, this international clientele that I developed, I all of a sudden had money. <laughs> and <laughs> I realized I can use this to produce and commission content that fuels me. Mm -hmm. So I then moved to South America in Peru and found this um, community that really inspired me to uh, work with them and create my first feature film. That was back in 2022. And uh, now um, I am kind of in a position where I travel the world. I go where my clients asked me to go. In the past year alone, I've worked and visited every single continent apart from Antarctica in just this one year. Mm, that's... So I'm, I'm very, I'm very, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say that's a rich and exciting journey. I have so many questions, but uh, feel free to finish what you are saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm very fortunate. I'm very blessed because, uh, you know, traveling is one of my passions and I'm just very lucky to be able to combine my work with my passion. Mm -hmm. Do you know what is your next destination? Yes, in a few weeks time, I'll be moving to New York to uh, continue working on uh, many um, different projects that are in the pipeline because um, it's kind of like, I would describe it a self-fulfilling prophecy um the more clients you gain the more work you do the more people you work with the more people will be like hang on i know this guy that they can do really good work mm -hmm. so it will just naturally grow people will, will approach you and they will be like oh i heard you're gonna be in this part of the world can you come down let's do something yeah. together so um yeah i'll be i'll be spending some time in uh, new york and then I'll make my way down to South America where I have um, three bookings, maybe even four, um, <laughs> one in Chile, one in Bolivia, one in Brazil, and one in Argentina. Oh, wow, that, that sounds really exciting, yeah. Um, but can we start? You mentioned you come from Estonia. What was it like growing up in yes. Estonia? I have never visited the country, uh, but I heard about it and it sounds interesting. So what was it like? Oh, growing up in Estonia is an absolute dream. Uh, there is so much nature and I come from a family of farmers. Mm -hmm. Both of my grandparents own a farm. So I grew up growing potatoes, <laughs> growing vegetables, going to the forest to pick mushrooms and pick berries and yeah. prepare these for the winter. Yeah, um, 
Estonia's climate is you get 30 degrees uh, of heat in the summer, minus 30 in the winter. So you need to prepare for the winter, preparing mm. the firewood to heat the properties. So, yeah, I come from a very down to earth nature, wisdom, culture. So mm -hmm. growing up in Estonia was an absolute privilege. And um, all of my family is still in Estonia. I love my family. I despite being away for so many years and kind of like popping in and out of Estonia every now and then I still have um, a large group of friends there and uh, of course all the industry connections as well who mm -hmm. um, kind of were created from the time when I was living and working in Estonia as well. Yeah, I heard uh, it's kind of unrelated but I heard that Estonia is very digital friendly that uh it makes everything super easy and convenient is that true that is very true yes yeah i think something that some countries could uh, uh get inspired from and adopt something similar okay and what about Certainly. what about the creative industries or film industry there is it big or how is it there yes um estonia is gaining a lot of um interest now mm -hmm. a few years ago we had tenet that was filmed mm. in estonia yeah i remember and... because i i had a friend from estonia and i i don't know if it's it's written in a tenet but i texted him and i couldn't believe it it was so cool i didn't expect that yeah and that was so funny because at the time i was living and working in australia and of course i had I, I knew almost everyone in the Estonian film industry at the time and every single person that had anything to do with film was literally working on that feature. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, but it must, but, be a, um, must be a dream to work on a feature of Christopher Nolan. <laughs> of course, and uh, since then Estonia has kind of uh, realized, okay, we have this um, really big opportunity here. So as far as I'm aware, there are some film production neighborhoods being constructed as we speak to empower people all around the world to come and do their projects in Estonia. So Estonia, yeah, it's um, it's just oozing with talent. And because of the relatively so small size, it's very easy to uh, work with people and access the best of the best because it's just one million people in mm -hmm. Estonia yeah sounds like a great idea definitely and i'm curious what's the level of um proficiency in english language there because as far as i know estonian language is something not understandable to people outside yes that is uh true the youth is very bilingual um they can speak estonian they can speak russian and yeah, those are those are the two main languages. But there's there's so many there's there's so many English speakers, there's so many Russian speakers, and that really uh, diversifies the the world that you can access. Yeah, yeah. And you said before you worked with some celebrities or big people from Estonia. Obviously, I don't know any, but can you mention some names? <laughs> Maybe someone knows, and I will check them afterwards. Yes. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to provide you with a more international name. So um, I recently worked with uh, Misa Rodriguez from the Spanish um, Real Madrid football club. Mm -hmm. And we did a project with, uh, with one of the health healthcare companies. And it was, um, it was such a joy to work with her. Uh, after the shoot, she uh, signed the gloves that she was wearing and she was like, I really enjoyed working with you. Here's a mm. small present from me to you. And oh, I nice. gave her my rose quartz bracelet. I also enjoyed working with you. Mm. Here's, here's a little something from me. And just a few months after we wrapped the project, she won gold in really? the World Championship. So, wow. yeah, it was... Uh, Mm. It's really amazing. I've um, I've also worked with uh, 
the Donel Badar, who is an Estonian household name. I grew up admiring his work and it was just so unreal directing him and telling mm. him what to do in front of the camera. It's um, like a dream. Also some, exactly. Um, also some other international names. Um, David Pocock is the Australian rugby player who I work with. Uh, yeah, it's uh, as time goes by, uh, you kind of forget the forget the names because at the end of the day, when working with these big artists, big names, big celebrities, you really need to stay grounded and kind of almost like take them down off their mm -hmm. celebrity status and be like, no, this is just my talking prop in a sense. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, it yeah. is my responsibility as a director to make sure that I get the best out of them. So... I can't be starstruck on the set. I need to tell them if the performance is not good, it's mm -hmm. not good. They're going to have to do it again, regardless yeah. of their celebrity <laughs> status or not. Yeah, you are the boss they need to listen to. And when you are <laughs> filming with uh, some people in, uh, you know, other countries, you as a di director, do you have your own crew or you find people or they provide you with the crew? How does this work? It's a hybrid approach. I do have networks all around the globe, so I can very easily pull my people in. Okay. Um, often uh, often uh, clients would have um, preferred suppliers, so they would be like, actually, we have this person internally who can help you film. Or sometimes they would be like, listen, I need you to pull everything together. I hmm. just finished filming a music video in Tallinn. It was uh, by this international artist who is having their world debut in a few months' time. This is the first time that they're being introduced into the world. And we started developing this idea nine months ago. And this was one of the cases where they they came to me and they said, I need you to pull everyone hmm. and everything on this. So it was really nostalgic going back to Estonia after almost seven years and kind of warming up those connections again and yeah. accessing uh, these old people who I used to work with who are so talented and yeah just having a lot of fun on mm. a set and it beautiful experience must be both pressure and uh, kind of satisfaction because you as the person who make literary uh, you know make make this person as a star because as you said uh, they are starting and you are the one who brings them you know to the world to the light and if if it's successful hopefully it is successful then it will be a great feeling <laughs> of satisfaction i'm sure yes and uh, to me how i see it is all about the energy it's all about the energy if we are not having fun on the set and if the artist is not having fun mm -hmm. in front of the camera the audience will never really get pulled in into the music video but if they can see the artist having fun and they have this confidence the the illusion is complete in a sense then it will fly mm -hmm. yeah and but it has to be a collaborative process yeah yeah so you're uh what kind of director are you uh, a friendly a funny one or a strict uh, serious one <laughs> I am a very friendly and <laughs> nurturing director mm -hmm. because uh, what I've noticed is uh, people tend to thrive on positive feedback. Uh, if their performance in front of the camera are giving you a performance that is 75% there, you're not going to tell them, oh, that was 75% there, you can do better. You will find something to compliment them on this take and you're going to give them feedback by saying i really enjoyed that you did this how about you try to channel a different angle because now we have this take in the bag but for the narration of the story would love to get a different performance in mm -hmm. and uh, people tend to respond really well and oftentimes you get people with different levels of camera training different levels of media training in terms of what their capabilities are in front of the camera. For instance, if very quickly, because I also often work with non-camera trained people, non-professional actors. Um, 
particularly for documentaries mm -hmm. um, if you clock that this person only has these three takes in them don't don't continue pushing them just accept what you get and adapt and work with that yep is that something you learned along the way or have you got someone as an inspiration or someone as a teacher let me have a think I think it's something that just comes naturally to me. This kind mm -hmm. of um, nurturing compassion. That's yeah. just something that really comes very naturally to me. Mm -hmm. But and... I do remember I had this uh, one experience where I was uh, working with this um, makeup artist on many, many different projects with different, uh, different uh, talent, different clients. And after the shoot, she came to me and she said, wow, you are like the nicest director that I've ever worked with because <laughs> oftentimes we get the director screaming at the makeup artist or screaming at the talent or screaming at the light department or screaming at the, at the camera, camera, camera department. Mm -hmm. And I was just so blown away. I was thinking like, well, um, filmmaking is a teamwork. So every single person has the most important role. And if you destroy those relationships, if you destroy the confidence of the makeup artist, or if you destroy the confidence of the uh, lighting artist, mm -hmm. or whatever their role is, then this you're essentially bruising that department. So it's it's very counterproductive. Mm -hmm. So for, I was just completely blown away hearing that this is even. A possibility but you know we live in a, in a diverse world and there are many different ways of working yeah i completely agree and i like your mindset and i think if there is something negative it kind of influences the rest of the team and it's not such a good atmosphere as it was before and, certainly certainly still is there are there any maybe moments when it was too much for you and you stormed up or it doesn't happen to you? I have. Um, I never really had storm outs. Um, I've had experiences where some other directors have stormed out and clients have approached me saying, this is what happened. We need you to pick this up. Um, <laughs> we were, we were working with um, some five celebrities from everyone being on top of their field and uh, the client came to us and they said yeah we was actually developing this commercial for three months with the director and when we messaged the director the director told us to not message <laughs> us anymore and yeah we, we came in we took the project we did the creative in a matter of two weeks pulled it all together and it's um still one of their most successful uh, mm. uh adverts to this date but yeah, yeah I, I haven't really had stormers i've had situations where you know you gotta go with the flow and uh, you need sun and weather is unpredictable and you are filming outdoors so on the day of the shoot, you all look outside the window and it's pissing down rain and you're like, sorry, mm. we're going to have to cancel today because we, yeah, can't, yeah. we can't film and I'm not going to even waste everyone's time asking you to come down. So mm -hmm. there's, there's been moments like this where um, because of unforeseen, unforeseen circumstances, we've had to cancel, but never really stormed out from a yeah. set. Yeah, when there are like forces out of your control, such as weather or something. If you want to boost your online presence, check out our digital marketing agency called Trailblazed. You can also enroll in our Skillshare course called the 10 tips on how to succeed in your creative career, which was inspired by the podcast. Lastly, make sure to subscribe to our weekly newsletter called Creative Spotlight to stay up to date with the show and more. Links are in the show notes. Thanks. And are you such a calm person on only on set or in real life as well? Um, yeah, it's definitely uh, multidimensional um, in a real life as well. I'm, uh, it, it takes it takes quite a bit to kind of knock me off my balance, um, <laughs> but. Uh, since uh, since the beginning of my career, I've lived in five different countries. 
I've learned so many different languages. I've seen people in so many different conditions. And what that has taught me is that ultimately at the end of the day, we're all trying to do the same thing. We're really all trying to follow our passion and live the best life we can without hurting anyone on our way. Mm -hmm. So uh, just having that awareness and having that wisdom is what helps me stay calm because that kind of when i was younger and still exploring the world of the industry of how it works trying to understand it there were certainly opinions of whether something uh, you know the work is good or the work is not good on these kind of things and the you know the ego kind of mindset oh mm -hmm. if people don't love my work i'm just going to completely destroy myself and i'm going to be completely like no they didn't like it and in when you work in creative industries you know that the client is the person with the money mm -hmm. so whatever they say they are the the person ordering the work it goes so yeah. oftentimes you get clients who perhaps are not the best communicators and they give you feedback like what is this you yeah, know yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you just have to appreciate that this is their way of communicating that they would like some changes <laughs> amended mm -hmm. um, in this video. So you just have to almost be a, like a psychologist as well when you're working with your clients. So if they freak out, then that's your opportunity to be like, it's all right, we can edit this around. <laughs> there are a million different ways of editing and footage. So just giving them that kind of... Um, understanding and it's not the end of the road here that helps to um, bring yeah. them back and obviously you don't want to break the relationships because uh, you may not get any other projects or you know the industry is quite small so the word spreads so it's not a good idea yes and uh, there have been moments when um, you work with immature clients who end up perhaps um, wasting a bit of your time or making something more difficult than it has to be. <laughs> but then you learn from that. And sometimes you're like, when a booking comes in, you're just actually, uh, oh, this is, this is my new price. And you just price them out <laughs> <laughs> because you, you don't really want to work with that kind of yeah, energy yeah. or, or you just still work with them, but you get a little bit, more for your troubles yeah, of course, in that sense. But understandable. Th mm -hmm. There's definitely clients that um, uh, I've had interesting uh, collaborations with, not many, but there's a few, and I would certainly think twice before um, entering a new collaboration or, you know, some, this is also a learning experience um, because if there are some kind of friction and that's your opportunity to communicate even better, make sure that you make better agreements beforehand and you're kind of covering yourself so that um, you get to the end stage of the project and the client says, I don't like this, or I, I don't mm -hmm. like that. Then you can pull out the storyboard, you can pull out the shot list, you can pull out all your documentation and be like, this is what we agreed on, on the pre-production and given your targets and your audience, jointly we agree that this is the approach that we're going to take if you choose to flip the script on me then that's fine but you know it's yeah i've yeah, got yeah. i've got my um my evidence to back me up mm -hmm. sense. and are there some examples worth mentioning something uh, not to mention any specific names or anything but uh, something unusual or you know bizarre many 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 <laughs> many um Bizarre and unusual in a very positive sense in terms of like the kind of shots we've tried to create or someone gets an idea and I said like, wow, I really want to do this. Let's do this and let's see how it's going to work. Or also when, um, when your client comes up with something ridiculous or, um, um, but yeah, specific examples, let me have a think. I had one where we were producing uh, a series of summer commercials for a food brand 
and we were filming with a barbecue. So we were trying to find creative ways of igniting the barbecue. So we used the petrol and a match to kind of create this kind of explosion look. So um, it was something that we just kind of came up with on mm -hmm. the spot there. Let's try this. And it produced a lot bigger of an explosion <laughs> than we thought it would. So we were all kind of like, whoa, <laughs> this was really cool. And we got the shot, but it could have really gone sideways and we could have, you know, health and safety. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's been this, but I, and, and another really, really cool project was when we were working with phantom cameras, the, the cameras that shoot thousand frames per second and it comes with a trigger. So uh, we had to fly the camera in from a different country and the camera came with the camera operator and it was uh, such a cool creative as well. It was uh, a commercial for a smoothie brand and we had a drummer um, in a white studio and we build a scaffolding and whilst they were drumming, a team of people was throwing fruits at them <laughs> and we were, we, were, we were filming all of that in 1000 frames per second and the, and the result is today is still on my uh, showreel and it's one of the most impactful shots there, mm -hmm. I can personally say that. I will share the link to the showreel so that people can have a look, it sounds uh, interesting. Perfect. And out of yeah. so many projects that you work on, are there some that you want to tell us more about? Because I can imagine you've got so many, uh, whether from interesting locations, interesting experience, or just uh, it's worth mentioning for some reason. Yes, um, I would like to share my recent experience in India. Mm -hmm. So often when I travel, I always try to combine work with my own passion and because i've been around the block a little bit you know 10 years um i've developed these connections all around the world so what i do is every time i fly somewhere for work i'm always like okay i'm going to be here for this amount of days and i'm going to be working on this project what else can i do who else can i meet with and sometimes that will um, flower into a video that we do together or a film product or podcast or something like this but sometimes it would just be a coffee that we have so um, a few weeks ago i was in india filming for um, a healthcare brand and after we after i i finished the shoot i ended up flying to a completely different part of india where there is an animal dispensary which is completely volunteer run um non-profit they essentially capture injured um, homeless animals treat them and release them back into the streets or wild animals and in that kind of project that we did i had a chance to film monkeys cobras um parrots all sorts <laughs> of exotic animals in an indian site which was very exclusive it's closed access nature park that you only get access with the special permissions with and india's number three oldest and biggest banyan tree lives there and the site and campus is just completely amazing mm -hmm. so um yeah i landed in chennai where that facility was located just to really experience it for myself and um when I met the team there, they were like, oh, so you're carrying all this equipment. Let's do something. Let's have fun. Let's find something that we can do. <laughs> so we ended up producing this seven minute informational short video, which tells people about the facilities, but also really showcases the, the people, mm -hmm. the people who work there and what motivates them to go into that kind of a crazy world of, um, you know, working with up to 80 cases of different animals and their injuries per day and um, understanding what motivates them and fuels them. So that mm -hmm. was a really fun, uh, loving project to work on. Yeah, that sounds like amazing experience. Uh, when you mix both the work and uh, with something that you enjoy and it ends up like something like this, I would definitely... Is, is the video uh, available online? 
it's it's just in the final stages of uh the edits um mm -hmm. so uh it's not available yet yeah, yeah, yeah and are you also yeah so you are also editing the video right yes mm -hmm. yeah wow sounds exciting and before you also mentioned that you did your own feature film right yes so can you tell us more about about it yes of course um this uh was one of the most beautiful experiences um in my career so far and what i really love about this is it has grown so much this is one of the reasons also why i'm moving to new york and i have all these bookings in south america because uh, what has happened is people all around the world have seen this and they've invited me to come down and produce something similar for them <laughs> yeah. but to kind of um share this story a little bit um a few years ago i met this community in peru that had been completely cut off from mainstream society in mm. today's life we have smartphones we have taxes we have our fast <laughs> life and and all of that and we're always on the go but this community doesn't have any of that they don't have smartphones they don't have the, the tax system they just live off the land and their culture is just living in harmony and balance with the nature. So um, hearing the story of this community and how they got cut off from the mainstream society, they've been cut off for about 500 years now. Ooh, wow. The perspective that they bring, the stories that have been preserved in their original culture, they are the direct descendants of the Inca culture. Mm -hmm. And it's just such a rich heritage and uh, beautiful story. And um, it's also very scientific in a sense, because it, this was one of the moments that made me realize that, you know, today in a, in a Western society, we think that we are the most advanced that humanity has ever been. But the stories and the wisdom that they share, it's all these structures, but DNA was only discovered in Europe in the 1950s. And for them, this is very, very old. So being able to go to these places that no one has seen before, or at least hasn't seen in a very long time, learning from the communities and understanding the stories that they have to share and meeting that community. And what really fascinated me is they speak an ancient language called Quechua. And mm -hmm. in this language, there are no swear words. So oh, really? <laughs> in many other languages, there are swear words. But imagine if we didn't have swear words that would completely take away this kind of um, negative aspects to communication. So it's, it's just very pure. It's very mm -hmm. pure. Francis, uh, the documentary premiered in seven countries across the globe. Mm. Since then, um, it's been a year since it was released. And I have been working on an app where people can go they can log in and they can see my documentary that is just in the final stages of release Whoa. so i'm really really excited to share this with the world mm -hmm. and uh essentially um i am now going to peru in a few months time to film the sequel i also filmed another feature in bolivia last year with a different community and as um on the back of the first feature documentary that I produced and directed, um, there was this community in the Amazon rainforest who was working very closely with the community that this documentary is about. They saw it and they were like, we want you to come down to the Amazon rainforest and <laughs> we want you to make a film about our culture as well. Mm. So, uh, this is, um, one of my next uh, destinations that I'll be heading. So it's uh, very beautiful how from this one project, so many other opportunities have created itself. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, uh, 
it's really the testament of I must be doing something right because <laughs> people are interested, people want more, and let's go. <laughs> yeah, those sound like very exciting opportunities, and especially something that not many people have access to, or you know, just a limited uh, amount of people. So, actually, how did you um, get there? How did you find such a community? Yes, um, it was um, just when I had moved to Brazil and had set up my business. I uh, was uh, living and working in Brazil uh, where I could stay for three months because of the visa requirements. And I ended up in Peru. At the time, I was really doing a lot of research on all of the different aspects that we experience here in the world. And it happened that I found this contact. His name is Stefano. He mm -hmm. is a local Peruvian that lives in the sacred valley of the Incas, which is just by uh, Cusco. And um, we had a few conversations and instantly we connected and we realized that at the time when we met, we realized that this is something that this person had been wanting to do for the past couple of years and the topics that we were researching were really aligning. So it was really the perfect storm of me, uh, meeting the supply and demand. And for me as well, it was my first feature. So a very, very daunting experience that for sure, because when it comes to feature films, it's, well, it's it's a big project, time-consuming project, but if you have passion and if you have the drive, mm -hmm. nothing is impossible. Yeah, yeah, sure. So it's like a fate. <laughs> and how yeah. did you how did you go about um, getting the finances for it? It's because it's usually uh, the biggest barrier for the people or the freelancers or the starters. Uh, how did you get it? How did you find it? So, um, this is one of the um, biggest misconceptions that I had also in my mind that making a feature film is going to cost you a lot of money, but really it's not going to cost you a lot of money at all. Mm -hmm. Um, this feature film was self funded entirely kind of me working with my clients all around the world and kind of putting a little bit money aside after each project to kind of calculate, okay, I'm going to need the camera operator for this amount of days. So I'm going to need to have this amount of money. Also thinking of the flights, I'm flying people in from all around the world to go to Peru. This is how much money I'm going to need for that. Mm -hmm. And then of course the planning stages, the research phases, that was all done by myself. I'm uh, still gradually working through the research materials and publishing them on uh, my YouTube channel to make them accessible for the public, for them to see uh, the research behind the documentary. But uh, coming back to the finances, you don't really need money. All you need is the drive and passion and the bare minimum of um, what it need, what, what it takes to make the film. I was very fortunate enough that I had um, the opportunity to pay for everyone's time. So uh, I had the opportunity to pay the camera operator fully for every single day that she spent with me. Uh, I had the opportunity to pay for the sound designer. I was working with one of the top Estonian composers who did the score for the film. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was able to pay for the premieres across the world, you know, the, the catering, uh, the location hires. So how it works is once you have a film that is ready for the audience to be seen, how do you get it in cinemas? How, how do you get people to take your film and put it in the cinema? And it's very easy. You just email the cinema being, Hey, I'm this <laughs> filmmaker. I made this film. I want to book a few slots in your week to screen this film. And you can either get the cinema to sell your tickets, or you can also advertise it in 
your means, you know, people who are interested in this kind of um, film that you're producing or sharing it in social media. So yeah, this one was completely self-funded, but of course, if you have, you know, a producer that is helping you produce it, that's a different story because then yeah. we're going to start talking about completely different finances. Mm -hmm. But luckily I had the, both the producer and the director skill set within me so mm -hmm. I could kind of save a lot of money by not having to initially pay myself, but the, the payday is definitely on the way. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's a great example and inspiration for people who may use this as excuses or as a barrier that it's possible and just great inspiration. And what about streaming services? Is it, is it going to be there? Is it possible to show it on some streaming services? Yes, I have been in touch with uh, quite a few screening services and uh, trying to um, find ways to collaborate. But because of the um, percentages that are being um, harnessed by these streaming services, this is the reason why I've opted for the path of producing my own platform for the people to go and pay for that almost like my own netflix in a sense where people can mm -hmm. download the app and pay a monthly fee and for that they can access the content mm -hmm. but also um never underestimate the power of physical screenings where people can come together in a community and watch it all in one space um i'm going to have another face-to-face -face screening in New York with the director's commentary after that will happen in a few months time. After that, I'm going to have another screening in Peru as well, again, face to face. So um, I would say the hybrid approach is the best for me at the time of doing physical um, streams, but also online streams. Mm -hmm. So it's the message for the listeners. Follow Mark on social media. We will be following your exciting journey when you are promoting uh, your projects. Um, what's what's Thank the you name? So much. What's yes. the name of the film actually? Gao Sai Pak. What does it mean? <laughs> it means a good living. Oh, nice! It means uh, to live in balance and harmony with everything and everyone around you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So being, just being aware of your time, uh, if you want to, uh, can you promote yourself? Where can people follow you or where you are present if they can connect with you? Yes, of course. So uh, my main platform right now is TikTok, where you can see me travel the world mm -hmm. and experience life. So um, my TikTok, um, I'm going to send you the details. So maybe you can put them in the description of the yep. video. So um, follow my TikTok. That's where I'm most active. Uh, the second platform would be my YouTube channel. And my YouTube channel is more like a, like a workspace where you get to see me explore different uh, mediums and uh, test out audiences i'm also going to send you the link for that mm -hmm. and last but not least my instagram as well instagram is a platform where i'm least active but um every now and then i would have a moment to pause from my travels and be like okay let me just post something now that i've been <laughs> to 17 different countries in the past <laughs> two weeks or something cool yeah i will make sure make sure to share it and before we finish, is there something that uh, you would like to share? Maybe something I forgot to ask or something that is on your mind? No, not necessarily. Um, I think you've done uh, a wonderful job um, kind of helping me open myself up to the world and uh, share what I do. But I would say an advice that I would like to share is when we filmmakers come out into the world from our film schools ready to take on the world and make our directional debut or um, explore the industry and find what really who we are as an artist. I would say 
never give up to follow your dream. <laughs> never give up. It doesn't matter the amount of times that people say no to you or the amount of times an opportunity slips you by. If a door closes, three other doors open. So never give up. Just keep doing what you're doing. And um, collectively, you know, coming up from film school, I have a lot of filmmaker friends that we've all grown together in our careers. At film school, they paint us the picture that, you know, when you enter the industry, you're going to work as a runner for years and years and years, and you're going to be working 18-hour days just making coffee and tea for the people. I would really challenge that perspective because <laughs> that is not my reality. Mm -hmm. If you want to direct, start directing from the moment you exit film school. If you want to edit, start editing the moment you exit film school. Do what you want to do and don't think that you need to do something else which you don't enjoy mm -hmm. to get to somewhere because actually what you will get is you will just develop yourself to be very strong in this, this particular role that you might not even be passionate about. Being a runner mm -hmm. might not be your passion, but if you think that you're going to have to do that for four years and then you become a really good runner, that just makes you really good as a runner. But instead of doing that, you can just go straight into directing. And yes, you're not going to be booked on the most expensive and glamorous gigs with celebrities and big brands and big budgets, but it will be a starting point. And mm -hmm. in the process, you will develop yourself as a director in your signature and you're creative and you will attract the right people who will give you the next step. So be kind to people, take all opportunities that you can get, be your absolute best self and never give up, never mm -hmm. give up, never yeah. give up. <laughs> I think it's perfect message and advice to finish this interview. So thank you so much, Mark. It's been really inspiring listening to you. And I'll be excited to invite you sometime in the future because I believe there is much more we can talk about and definitely a lot of exciting stuff ahead of your journey. So thank you so much, Mark. Thank you so much for having me. And yes, I'm more than happy to come back and perhaps um, speak about some uh, other things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. Wish you good luck and we'll stay in touch. Thank you. Thank you. See you soon. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app, get in touch to provide your feedback, or share any ideas for future guests. Thank you, and see you soon.